Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and uh, today on the podcast, we're delighted to have on a, a player on the men's side that uh, I've been efforting, uh, efforting to get on the podcast for a couple of months, and finally, uh, we made it uh, come to fruition today. He's the host of his own uh, podcast uh, called Comments on uh, comments from the couch, along with Daryl, along with uh, Cameron uh, Pilly, we have Daryl Selby on the podcast today, and it was great uh, to talk to him about squash and his uh, his very uh, very good career that he's had uh, for the past fifteen years, at least. Uh, he's been at the top of the game. Uh, he's played in the era of uh, the Nickel Power Palmer Linku era, then the the Shabana Darwish uh, Matthew era, and now the Farag Shabagi. Uh, Rosner and the like, uh, this new younger era, he's been there for uh, and competing with them at the highest level. And we get to talking about uh, his career, uh, how things are shaping up for him uh, this year and going forward, his family, his own podcast, and several other uh, things I know you're going to enjoy. Daryl Selby on the podcast today. Now, before uh, we get into the podcast, I'd just like to uh, recognize that, yes, the, uh, the season is finally underway. And also, uh, I guess in uh, many parts of the world, the amateur uh, season is also uh, ready to kick off if it hasn't uh, done so already. But uh, right now, at the moment, there, is, uh, there are two big uh, pro events going on, and uh, the results uh, in those events up until now are they're both in the uh, semifinal stages and some uh, interesting uh, Results uh, right now in the in the Nantes International uh, in France uh, on the men's side. Anyways, we have uh, French interest in one of the semifinals. Baptiste Massadi uh, got is through to play Declan James in one semi, and uh, the one and three seeds uh, James Wilstrup and Saeed uh, Salem in the other semi. So that's shaping up nicely, and uh, Baptiste pulled off. Uh, a couple of upsets to get through to the semi uh, there to play uh, Declan. So that'll be uh, interesting to see if he can keep it going. I remember I, I picked Baptiste to win uh, in Canada earlier in the year. So um, uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe, maybe that was a bit premature, but he's certainly coming uh, along now and may uh, uh, maybe keep it going here to uh, pick up a win on home soil. But he's got his work cut out for him on the way. But we'll see if he can keep it going on the women's side, though. Got a, a heavy uh, English interest there. Uh, Emily Whitlock and Lucy Colonel both uh, through to the semi and will play each other. And then uh, Nellie Gillis along with Fiona Moverly in the other uh, semifinals. So of the uh, eight semifinalists on the men and women's uh, uh, events five from from England so uh, well done for, uh, to those guys now in, in the China Open which is also shaping up nicely uh, we've got in, in one semi the the tree chopper v the Superman so it's uh, Simon Rosner and Paul Cole that should be a great semi-final uh, Simon's had a little bit easier of a time getting through um, Paul had a really, uh, really tough uh, win, a tough long battle yesterday against Abdul Al Tamimi from uh, Qatar, and he got through that in the fifth. Uh, in the other semi, uh, perhaps a two, yeah, two surprise uh, semifinalists there. Sarab Gosal uh, will play Mohammed Abulgar, Abulgar, uh, both of whom uh, got through a few upsets, including uh, Mohammed especially, who uh, who took out the the French general in the uh, in the quarterfinal. So uh, things are shaping up nicely at the China Open on the men's side. And, of course, the women have picked up 
where they left off at the Super Series final with some intriguing semifinal matchups and some great matches in the quarterfinal along the way. Uh, Camille uh, Serm and Norel Sherbini uh, are through to the semifinal and will play today, and that'll be a, a great match. I know uh, Camille was playing extremely well in Dubai at the Super Series final, and Nora was, uh, you know, Nora obviously she won the event, so. Uh, she hasn't missed a, a beat over the summer, uh, so that'll be a great semifinal. Then in the other semi, uh, Noor Al-Tayeb will take on uh, Raneem El-Walili. Both of these ladies got through in nail-biting five uh, set matches, uh, Noor taking out S.J. Perry in a in a great match, and then Raneem uh, holding off Nicole David, and it's great to see uh, Nicole... Uh, back playing at a high level so uh, I think she'll probably take away I think I I read on Twitter there that she uh, she was pleased with her performance and that she's going to learn from it so uh, you know despite being at the top of the game for so long she looks like she's still got her uh, her, the bit between her teeth and uh, will come back strong again in the next event so it should be uh, on the women's side, uh, just like uh, picking up where they left off last year, very, very intriguing 2018-2019 uh, uh, campaign coming up. So uh, really looks great uh, the way things have kicked off so far with the two events that are currently ongoing. Uh, so we've got a lot to look forward to uh, this season. And um, we have a lot to look forward to today on this podcast. Daryl Selby on episode 46. Well, uh, today on episode 46, we're, we're very lucky to have on, and I've been uh, efforting this for, uh, for about uh, three or four months and finally came uh, to fruition. Uh, he's a 15-year pro vet, uh, currently um, number 16 in the world, but reached uh, as high as number nine, I believe, in 2014. 2011 British national champion and re- has represented England several times in both the Commonwealth Games and the World cha- Team Championships, uh, winning medals I- at the Games and the World Team Championship in 2013. And uh, these days, amongst other things, uh, he's uh, famously the co-host of his own podcast, uh, Comments from the Couch, along with Cameron Pilly. Uh, Daryl Selby's my guest today. Daryl, great to have you on, man. Hey, Jerry. Yes, very good to um, finally get on. Sorry for the for the delay, but no, it's nice to be here. No apologies. Uh, really uh, great to have you on, and uh, uh, I love you guys. I love your podcast with Cameron. I, I've been listening to them all, and uh, want to uh, ask you a little bit about about some things uh, on there, if you don't mind, a bit later on. But uh, no, of seen, course, no. That's yeah, fine. yeah. I've seen you have you've had an eventful summer. Uh, so how's your break been uh, this summer from uh, from the tour? It's been good. It's been good. I mean, I, first of all, I just want to commend you on getting all the stats right and including the Did word into my bio. Yeah, yeah, all the dates were right. Um, your podcast is obviously a lot a lot clearer and fact, more factually correct than, than our one. So um, ah. congrats for that. <laughs> congrats for I don't that. know, but, but um, I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I'd say that the squash, <laughs> the squash intel on my when I try to spout knowledge is a bit off, but uh. <laughs> no, it's all good. Summer's been good. Thanks. Um, it feels like quite a long, long summer, which is, which is not a bad thing, but um, yeah, it seems like a long time ago that I played a tournament. That's for sure. So um, yeah, it's been nice. The weather's actually been fantastically good in England, which is unheard of. Um, we've had a lot of sun, um, a lot of, a lot of brown burnt grass, which is not usual. And um 
we could have done with a bit more aircon, but we had to make do with fans. So um, I'm not complaining though, because it, it was a good summer. Um, we didn't actually go away. We had a couple of holidays in England. Um, and yeah, just been, you know, last few weeks getting into a bit of training and um, my season's starting a little bit later than than most other people. I think obviously we've got China and Nantes going on as we speak this week and yeah. uh, my first one is in Alexandria in Egypt which is another two weeks away. Well you're taking a page uh, out of uh, other elder statesmen uh, you're uh, you know I hope you don't mind me saying one of the elder statesmen on the tour and that's not a bad thing you look at uh, tennis nowadays and you got guys like uh, Nadal and Federer still uh, one and two in the world so uh, there's yeah. definitely uh, squash is a different game obviously but uh, there's definitely uh, you know, that to, to look at and say, well, I've got a few. And also Gaultier is uh, right up there too. So um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's actually a, it's a conscious thing. Um, in the past, uh, I did it, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but basically planned it so that I started later than everyone else. Um, no, it wasn't last year because I played China last year. But the year before that, I started later than everyone else. In the, and the plan was to peak in November, December time. And it works out. It worked out pretty well because I hit a good bit of form um, when everyone else was getting a little bit more fatigued in November. I think I made the semis in Qatar um, and played well at the World Champs, which was in Egypt, um, and did well at St. George's Hill, beat Mohamed El Shabagi in the first round there. So, um, yeah, there is a little bit of um, logic to it as well. But, um, yeah, I might have mistimed it. <laughs> mistimed it a little bit this year in that I don't think there's loads going on in December. So uh, right. we'll see. Right. Well, uh, we'll I mean, see. you meant, you mentioned uh, the burnt out grass. Uh, that That's a benefit to your golf game though, isn't it? That the ball will run a bit more. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I could do with a little bit more accuracy and a little less distance. So um, I think the wet, <laughs> the wet weather actually helps me a little bit more because it stops, stops my horrendous, uh, horrendous snap hooks or, or pushes that um, ended up, end up out, out. I don't know, well. man. I, uh, I saw your goal. Uh, if it was you, I think it was you. You had a, a, a swing at a ball on uh, Twitter. You posted it, and uh, they had the ball tracker thing uh, going as well. It was perfect. Oh, yeah. No, it's all right. My golf swing's all right. I just, you know, the same with all sports. You always wish you could be a bit better or more consistent all that type of thing. So um, golf's a frustrating game. Anyone that's played oh, it sure. knows how frustrating yeah. it is, no matter what level you are. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a competitive uh, sportsman. Um, I'm sitting at five handicap, but I want to be, I feel like it should be scratch every time I walk out there and then you make <laughs> a couple of mistakes and done, boom. That's uh, shots you're not getting back. But um, no, it's a great sport. I love it. It's a great way to unwind and get away from the squash court. Yeah. Do you find uh, in any way that it's sort of a, uh, helps you with squash in any way? I mean, in term, maybe in terms of sort of being patient and uh, not getting, uh, you know, too angry with yourself. Because in golf, as soon as you uh, lose it mentally, uh, it's game over. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I tell my wife that that's the case, that it helps my squash game. So um, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the reason for playing it. But You could, um, you could get 36 uh, holes in then. <laughs> exactly. The more, the better. Yeah. In all seriousness, I think um, it's an interesting one because... You know, with golf, you take a long time in between each shot. And in squash, you take a very, very short time in between each shot. And you get to think a lot about your previous shot in golf and dwell on it and whether it was good or bad. And, and you get a lot of time to think about your next shot as well. So it's, it's very different to squash. But it also, 
can help in certain ways calm you down and and get a bit of clarity and thought um you know in between games and stuff like that because um yeah with golf you have to be focused at those times when you're actually hitting the ball you have to sort of switch off and switch on um to an extent i guess you do that in squash where you you have to switch off in between points for i mean you don't want to switch off for too long but you know if you're focusing 100% for for 90 minutes it's quite difficult so it's just that quick switch on switch off switch on switch off in squash and and especially like even more so um in between games than in between points to be honest i guess yeah, in between yeah. games you know you see the difference of someone wins a game um a close game and then switches off at the start of the next game and the other guy comes out firing and suddenly it's you know it turns around momentum shifts from from a break and or vice versa you know someone dominates a first game or a second game and it doesn't seem like there's any way back but that sort of two minute break suddenly changes momentum amazingly i've uh, i've spoken to a few guys on my podcast who are uh, i guess pretty good golfers uh paul cole i think he said he was about a four or five handicap yeah i've uh, played with him he's good is he okay yeah and uh, paul johnson he was here uh he's not on tour obviously anymore but uh, i'm sure there are a few guys out there do you uh Maybe one uh, one year you can organize a uh, a tour uh, championship uh, at, a, at a golf course, or, or do you do that already? We always try and I always try and play somewhere. Um, yeah, there's 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 quite a few good golfers actually. To be honest, um, off the top of my head, those two you just mentioned, they're both both good players. Uh, uh, Ryan Cuskelly is a good player. Um, well, I mean, if I don't mention everyone's name here, they're going to get annoyed. Shabana's actually, yeah, he's definitely the most improved player. He's um, he's probably down to about seven or eight. He sends me enough uh, videos of his swing these days. So um, he's um, <laughs> yeah. no, he's 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 good. He he probably started at like eighteen, and then he's come down a lot. Um, but he has he has played a lot, I think, as well. But um, right. it's a he's funny got more one. time on his hands now. Yeah. Yeah, well, he says that he's got he's got loads of kids as well. But he's um he's a funny one. He actually plays right-handed golf. I play left-handed golf. Obviously, we're opposites for right. for squash. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ryan Cuskelly is the same. I think he's a he's a right-handed golfer, left-handed squash player. So it seems to be fairly common to be a left-handed of one and a right-handed of the other. It's for some reason it seems to switch a fair amount oh, from golf yeah. to squash. I don't really get that. But. I have a friend who who's the same, he's a squash player and he plays golf. Uh, he plays squash uh, left hand and plays golf right handed. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens a lot. Well, um, now uh, I was just we talked about it just before the podcast. You're the the proud father of three uh, young children, two boys, two boys and the baby girl. Right? She'll she'll turn one in November. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. mean she's almost walking though, to be honest, and that's she's awesome. she is a handful. So you you've been doing this uh, I guess for you know, for five years so it's a, been a while now. So how does a uh, parenthood uh, manifest itself in terms of your full time uh, uh, j- uh, job on the tour for you? You know what? It's an interesting question. I mean, I've sort of realised looking back through my career that I've actually spent you know I spent a lot of time in the top twenty. I think I'm coming up for somewhere near nine years, but. I, you know, if someone has said to me, you've spent more than half your time in the top 20 with kids, with children, it you know, I probably wouldn't have believed you really. But 
Yeah. It's it takes it obviously takes up a lot of time when you've got one, you think, you know, that takes up a lot of time, then you get two and you realise one was easy and so on and so forth. So um yeah, I think you adapt like in in any situation you you learn to adapt to training, you learn to adapt your time management. Um you know, and try and work out the best scenario and best situation that leads to being the best father, but also at the same time, you know, selfishly wise, trying to be the best squash player you can be yeah. whilst whilst doing that. So I think I found I found a nice balance. I mean, I say a nice balance. I probably would have liked to have trained a bit more in the last few years, but it's just not been possible. Um, but in some ways, it's maybe been a blessing because... Mm. You know, I've managed to keep my body in quite good shape and not yeah, had too many injuries. You didn't seem to have any uh, injuries uh, uh, the last couple of years anyways, have you? No, not no. really. A few, As always, you get you get a few more niggles as you get older. But um, yeah, touch wood, nothing serious. But I think that's part of it. I mean, I'm not trained like a maniac like, like the old days. You just have to train a little bit smarter. Yeah. Um, make sure the sessions that you do are good sessions. Really work on, you know, keeping strong um you know and just feeling confident in your body that it can with you know withstand a hard squash match and, and try and back up the next day but um yeah i still feel like you know the speed's there which is a good thing like i, yeah. I, I feel like i'm not necessarily really any slower than i've i've been but i guess the main difference is as you get older is just backing up day after day after day is yeah. the is the tough part so you know i still i still back myself you know in any first round being fresh against anyone I, I know the level i can get to it's just um how well you can you can back it up the next day and and get the body going again as quick as possible and i think you know you'll you'll see that this season and you see it in seasons gone past with with the older players on tour and you know the likes of myself you got as you say greg gaultier cameron pilly james wilstrop all all masters players now, but all still top twenty players. Yeah. Um and it's you know it's an interesting one to see how, you know, someone as successful as Greg and who plays a lot of matches every tournament, how he will continue to cope with um with it as you get older because you see, you know, Nick obviously did an incredible job, Nick Matthew, yeah. in maintaining an, a long career and a very successful career. Um but you know at, at the end it's it's tough his last season, you know, you have a few injuries at different points in different tournaments and there's nothing, nothing really you can do about it. And you're playing like great squash, you know, as I think in the U S open, Nick was playing great squash and, um, you know, his body let him down in, in a, in a crucial match, which can happen as you get older. Well, I, I was, uh, I saw him play in Dubai uh, and he got to, obviously he got in under unfortunate circumstances with a Marwan, uh, injured there but uh i mean he got to the semi-final and, and he, i mean he still looks obviously he he could play uh top five squash still i uh, i think he, he was playing really well definitely i mean i think it's a testament to him the way he's conducted himself and looked after his, his body and how professional he is um but you know also so an indication i guess that the game of squash can be you know prolonged and I think, as you mentioned before, in tennis, the likes of Federer and Nadal still being at the top of the game, I think the way sports science improved and a lot of other factors have meant that 
traditionally, when you think of um, the age of professional sports and finishing it, it's always sort of been 33, 34, 35. But now, now it tends, you know, you can drag it out a year or two more than that. I mean, I'm going to be 36 in two months and I still, still feel in, in decent shape and, yeah. you know, movement wise, still feel pretty good, which, um, which, yeah, I guess in, in the past may not have been the case. You know, it would have been normal to stop at 33, 34. And in the old days, I think that was the case for a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the players. Obviously, you like to Jonah and stuff carried on Jeff Hunt for a long time. But when you look at the next era, who was, you know, real competitive with Jan Shear, Jahangir and Rodney Martin and et cetera, et cetera. So many great players that... Um, they all stopped a little, a little bit younger, I think, but I don't know. Well, you, that's... You've been exposed. You've been around the game, I guess, long enough to have been exposed to two generations, right? You, you, you were there with the uh, the Nichols and the Powers when they were uh, exactly. dominating the game, and now you're you're here with the uh, with the um, Ali Farags and, and the likes, uh, the 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 uh, Sherbaggy. Uh, so uh, you've been generate. Yeah. What what uh, in in your estimation is it, has have you been able to notice uh, any difference between the the two eras? I guess you could call it. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of. I guess is there's almost three, but I mean, as you say, yeah. there's. Yeah. I caught the back end of the nickel power, uh, Palmer Linku sort of era. That was a uh, feisty era, wasn't it? That was a great era. Great really, you got a lot. I mean, a lot of a lot of strong players. Feisty, definitely the word. A lot of entertainment, different characters, different styles. As you have in every every single one, to yeah. be honest, and then obviously through the next one, I would I would consider like the next one to be you know Shabana, Darwish, uh, Nick, yeah. uh, James, the, you know these guys that are a few years older than me, but um, you know ones that play I played at a you know top level of, um, and then you got you know I still probably class Rami in that era as well, and then the new yeah. ones, the young ones, as as you, as you say now. Yamal Wans, Mohammed, Ali Frag, um, Gawad, these these guys that um, are coming through. I mean, I, I mentioned them all as Egyptians because you know most of them seem to be Egyptian these days that are that are coming onto the world scene. But Abulgar and Dazuki, another two that um, are coming through, and then obviously, fantastically, you've got someone from Peru, which is yeah. you know almost unheard of in Diego, who's a fantastic player. Um, hopefully. And I'm sure he will be a fantastic ambassador for the game because he's, another German he's, he's, uh, as well, uh, perhaps yes. Alexandra and Rosner. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Simon's done amazingly well in the last year or two to really like continue his improvement into into his late twenties. You know, that's that's fantastic. He's improved year on year on year, um, and to you know find himself in the top five is is fully deserved. So yeah, as a European, that's that's good to see, and then. You know, it's a nice mix of, you know, it's a crossover of, of eras, really. As you say, the youngsters coming through and then some of us old lot sort of hanging on, as, as is always the case and, and will happen again in another five, six, seven years. As Mohammed don't, and, don't sell yourself yeah, short, uh, Daryl. I digress here a bit because I want to keep this uh, about you. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you had a, a very good season in 2016. You won the Macau Open and uh, also you reached the semifinal in several several big events that year. Uh, what was it about uh, 2016 that you had that had you playing at such a high level again? And uh, do you think you can uh, better that or at least uh, get back to that uh, this year uh, in the next few years? 
Yeah, good question. I mean, I think I found a, a, a good hunger and motivation again that, that summer. Um, it was, yeah, getting used to life. I suppose I spent a year getting used to life with two kids. Um, Harrison was born in June the year before that. So I think, you know, once he hit a year old, we all felt comfortable in life as four. And yeah, I had a really good summer's training, planned it quite well to sort of start the season a bit later. And I think Macau might have been my first event in the September. Uh, my memory for this sort of stuff is not not the greatest. I can tell you every <laughs> shot I hit on around the golf, but I can't tell you like exactly right. squash-wise on dates. But yeah, I think I won Macau, as you said, which set me up quite well for for the rest of that half of the season. I had a really good half of the season. I was playing really well, uh, felt confident. I mean, that's that's a big thing as well when you have a good win. Um, yeah, confidence is a big thing. Um, and I had a good wave of confidence then and had some really good wins, played some good squash, played how I know I can play. And, and um, you know, I think... I would have liked to have been higher in the world. I maybe lacked a bit of consistency, to be honest, at the top level. And a little bit unlucky to sit at number nine in the world for a while. Um, when, you know, if I could have snuck in the top eight, it's a lot easier to make some inroads once you get that top eight seed in, yeah, yeah. rather than being nine, nine, ten in the world, which I was for a while. And, you know, British Open in, in May one year, I was nine or ten, nine or ten in the world. I you know, luck of the draw. Had Rami first round, ah, okay. um, play, played well, lost 14-12 in the fourth. But, you know, it just it's that type of situation where you need a little bit of luck just to break into that that top eight. And, you know, it was a fantastic top eight at the time with, with you know, lots of world number one players. Um, but, yeah, I think... Um, that was uh, 2014, right? Uh, when you reached world number nine? Yeah, I think I've yeah. reached it twice, but mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was yeah 2014. I think I was definitely nine for a good good stint of time, and yeah, it's um, so not there was a lot going on in but, the rankings there. I mean, uh, Rami was play, wasn't injured, I don't think, at the time, and then you had Sherbaggies coming along, and uh, yeah, I think it was Shabana, Darwish, Gaultier, Wilstrop, Matthew, Palmer, Linku. You know, like. These were the guys that I was trying to get above. My good friend Pete Barker, as well, I think, was the yeah. other member of that of that top eight at the time. So, you know, a lot of those guys were world number one at some point. Most of them actually have been or were world number ones. So, I, I wanted to ask you. I, I was at. I'm from Halifax, by the way, in Nova Scotia, and I love I played, Halifax. I played uh, squash this summer, and there you were. Uh, your your picture was on the wall, uh, having won the Blue Nose uh, Classic, I believe, right? Um, I thought I saw your picture up there. Yeah, but I, I don't think I've ever won it. I might be wrong. It's uh, a good question, actually. I played, definitely played. Or maybe Lincoln you got to the, the final. final. Yeah, I've got to the final a couple of times. I think. Um, I think. I swear, I, I thought lost. I lost. So maybe it was just you playing uh, against uh, someone. Uh, Maybe, no, maybe they just like me over there and they just put a picture up. They definitely, know, yeah. They... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, did I've, you enjoy I your love... time? Uh, yeah. yeah, I really did. I really did. There's a lot of lovely guys. I always stayed with um, Larry Langley, who's um, fantastic. 
member of the squash community over there and a really nice guy and I played it and he loves his golf as well. So actually, yeah, oh, he actually took me out for some nice rounds of golf. Where did you play? A couple of, a couple of times. That's you a very remember? good question. Wherever they played the, um, they played a pro tournament there. So they Glen played, Ab, um, Glen Ab, Glen Arbor. Yes, Glen exactly. Yeah. Exactly where it was. Yeah. yeah. Very nice That's place. But, um, yeah. Halifax, the, the people were friendly. It's a shame they don't have a tournament now, but they had a couple of years of great tournaments, really yeah. friendly. And then one year they put it, um, put the glass, they got a glass court and put it in a theatre. Um, and I managed to, I was playing really well then as well, actually. There was a, it was a very strong tournament. I think Shabana played, Linku played. Um, and I ended up playing uh, Linku in the final. I beat LJ and Borker, I think, in the, in the rounds before that and played oh, Lincoln too, in the final. A, some big names there. I think yeah, Paul, got a couple Palmer's of, played there as well. Yeah. yeah, he has. He has played there. I've watched him play. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot, I was 2-1 up on Lincoln and ended up losing 3-2, but it was a really good right. good match. And I think I lost another final to Miguel Rodriguez there as well, a little bit more recently. Right. But, um, yeah, well, good memories. Good, good memories, memories from Halifax. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to ask uh, uh, a little bit about uh, comments from the coach. It's fantastic uh, uh, podcast. Uh, I think it's number one amongst squash podcasts. Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think I, I think this one is number two uh, on the uh, Apple uh, uh, rankings list in terms of number Good. of visits. So uh, number Good of clicks stuff. or whatever you call it. Yeah. Uh, you know, squash geeks like me, we, we like to hear it from, from the guys, the pros. So uh, the insight that you and uh, Cameron bring is, is great. Uh, just want to ask, how, how did the pod uh, come about to begin with? Um, I, I mean, I think both myself and Cameron had and were listening to podcasts previously. Um, you know, just got into it and listened to a few different ones. Um, there's a, there was a good football one over here that I listened to a little bit called the magic sponge and led me onto other podcasts. And I think it just came up in conversation and I had an idea that I wanted to do a squash one. Um, wasn't sure how I was going to do it or what I wanted to do. And then I think speaking to Cameron, you know, thinking about it came up in conversation with, you know, just where we should both do one. We should do one together. We should do one while we're, board on tour in, in a hotel room and just record it and see how it goes yeah, the pub. It, yeah that would be ideal really to be honest and i think it would make it quite entertaining but um we've um yeah we've we've done seven now and um yeah it's tough because obviously cameron lives in denmark i live in the uk um and off season we don't see each other too much obviously we're doing this remotely but um yeah i think for, for the the type of podcast that we're doing, which is, you know, a little bit more lighthearted, looking at some fun stuff on tour um, and, you know, just a different different way of, of talking about it. Some great podcasts like like this one, um, a few others. I think Tom Ford does a, does a nice one. That, yeah, that's a good you know, one. It, yeah, that just interviews, interviews people and, and, you know, for people who like podcasts and are interested in, in the, the story behind the person, they're really, really good and really interesting. And that's why... You know, I, I just think we're just trying to, you know, look at it from a different way and some some good sort of humorous stories, but that include squash. Um, oh, definitely. I like just the, the rapport to... that you guys have is really great. And uh, it just seems to me, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you don't, I don't think you actually, I mean, you know each other pretty well, obviously, but you're not 
totally familiar with each other, are you? Like, yeah, I mean, I think I think we're good friends, but um, obviously we spent a lot of time traveling the world together. But um, yeah, um, I just said, it, it just seems it. it seems like you you kind of learn a little bit about each other and what you do through the questions you or through the things you talk about on your podcast sometimes definitely definitely yeah it's um it's quite it's quite funny sometimes to learn the way that cameron would look at something or his answer to something um i do like to sort of give him a little bit of stick as much as i can for for coming up with a stupid comment or something <laughs> um something particularly aussie aussie, that flag, aussie sense but, um, of humor eh? yeah yeah it's i mean yeah, it's it's quite basic in it. So um, <laughs> he, um, I like to give him some stick, but um, I wish he'd give me a little bit more stick back. But he's he's just yeah, such he a nice seems guy. like he's a really really good guy. Nice exactly, yeah. exactly. He's too nice. He's too nice. In fact, for the next few episodes, I'm telling him to be a bit nastier. All right, we'll see see what happens there. See what uh, happens. Yeah. And but uh, what I thought was particular, um, you said it was a bit lighthearted, and it, it, it obviously most of it is. But I I found on, in your last episode it was there was something quite interesting, and uh, I could be totally off the mark on this, but you were, you were talking about playing uh, well under pressure, and I thought that was quite interesting. It took um, I, I I look back at some of my my best moments in my amateur career, and I've done well in, under pressure in pressure situations. But uh, you've always been known to me as a guy who could beat anybody at any time, but then also as a guy who could lose to someone that you shouldn't lose to. So is that how it sort of manifests itself for you in your estimation? Um, I sort of, um, you know. Not upset, but I would say I sort of disagree with that in that I don't feel like I could lose to anyone. I feel like I'm a pretty consistent player. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe I needed more top win wins over the top top guys on a more consistent basis to obviously get a higher ranking. Obviously, I think when you talk about pressure situations, for me, um, I don't put much pressure on myself. I, I play to enjoy a squash. Um, I think me and Cameron talked about it before, but winning and losing doesn't mean yeah, yeah. You mentioned everything that, yeah. to me. Um, whereas in a team situation, I feel like I could beat anyone. Um, yeah. If I was playing in a team situation, playing for you know other people, playing for my country, playing for a team, I feel like that brings the best out of me. And that's you know that type of pressure where other people. Um, are wanting you to win uh, makes a big difference to me. The other thing that I enjoy doing is is if someone doesn't think I can do something, then I like to prove them wrong. That's yeah. that's a huge motivation for me. So yeah, yeah. Um, if you said to me, "Oh no, you've got no chance in this match against uh, whoever it might be," um, I'd sort of go away and work a little bit harder to try and well I, I, I know when i look at a draw and i see you know you might not always get a great draw but if i see you playing the number one seed in the first round i'm thinking uh, I'm, i might put my money on daryl uh, yeah time. i mean you know? of course well, you, you, you've you always uh, you've always managed to like you said you you almost beat rammy in that event you mentioned earlier uh yeah yes it's it's you know when I'm fresh, I feel like I can I can beat anyone, do some damage, especially first round of big tournaments. I mean, it works the other way. Like 
if you're a top seed, you probably, hopefully, you don't really want to play me. I don't know, but um, there's, <laughs> no, there's, definitely. you know, just just because you don't know if I play my best squash, I feel like it's a really high level. Um, as I say, just just doing it consistently enough has has not been not been quite there. I mean, I think in the last last few years, my my levels changed, as in my my highest level. Is, is still like a very very high level whereas my lowest level was obviously a lot higher than it is now I can you know if I'm not feeling great or the body's not feeling great um, then yeah I agree with you my my lower level is probably a bit lower and I've had a few yeah, win, uh, a few losses against players that you know I don't mean what I guess what I was trying to say was like you, maybe you don't maybe again I'm told you know I'm just guessing but maybe you don't get up for those matches like you would for a big man oh okay yeah i see what you mean um no i think i think i'll give everyone the respects they deserve i mean i think in terms of playing an opponent um yeah that's i definitely give everyone the respect it's just maybe i think i definitely perform better with a bigger crowd in in bigger settings um you know i think i've always struggled when the atmosphere has been quite dead and trying to get yourself going is, is quite tough. Um, I enjoy the big arenas, the big, the big matches and the big crowds because I think that's, you know, I, I train to, to be the best that I can be, but also, you know, part of me always wants to provide entertainment. I feel like our sport needs more entertainment. For sure. I've tried in the last few years to try and adapt my game to add more entertainment value to it. Um, I tried you know, your one days. of your uh, between tweener shots uh, the other day. Yeah. <laughs> How'd it go? Uh, I didn't hit a nick. But you got it through the legs. I did, yeah, yeah, but uh, it didn't nice. go into the nick. Didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Just practice. Keep practicing. <laughs> practice makes perfect. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It was sort of just a quick reaction, but you you seem to uh, to play it. Yeah, I mean. As I say, practice makes perfect. I spent half half my time. I mean, solos for me are very unenjoyable sessions unless I'm I'm trying new things and manipulating the racket, and I yeah. end up mucking about for most of any or any solos that I do. So um, those yeah, shots. a great video you you posted the other day. I think uh, it might have been about a month ago of you yeah. uh, uh, doing some solo stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, it's just. Um, I do that type of stuff a lot though. And so it's not really a surprise to me when, when I hit that shot. And to be honest, it's, it's come to fruition a lot more because that shot down the middle from the front happens a lot more often than it ever yeah. used to. Yeah. Uh, people that play that a lot now, don't they? Yeah. It was a shot that was almost never played. Um, when I first started on tour and it's, it's come, come a lot more, um, to the forefront, I guess in the last few years. And, it means you have to adapt. I mean, the amount of times that someone's beaten you down the middle with a shot where you've anticipated to go cross court happens a lot more. So you have to be able to adapt and then to be able to hit a winner from that position as well is a bonus. Um, and you know, I think I've practiced enough to be able to hit, hit those shots exactly where I want to now. So <laughs> I actually quite enjoy it when, when people hit it down the middle because it gives me a chance to, to use my hands and, and hit different shots. Um, I play quite a few exhibitions as well, like away from the tour. And I think that helps as well because I get to practice loads of silly shots. Now people probably, uh, people in the crowd 
definitely uh, expect those shots from you now too, especially in an exhibition uh, setting. They're probably uh, asking for it, aren't they? Yeah, I know. I feel the pressure sometimes to produce it. So <laughs> when I uh, when I frame it into the roof or or the floor, then often that's that's not the best feeling. But it does happen on occasion yeah. in front of uh, a few hundred people, which is which is never pleasant. But um, luckily enough, it hasn't really happened on PSA yet. But I'm sure it will at some point, and um, I'm sure PSA, I'm sure Squash TV will replay that plenty of times for for oh. me. Yeah, they've got you up there, a, a shot of the a trick shot of the year. I think you've won that a few times. So uh, they're bound they're bound to get you uh, on the other end as well. Uh, yes, they, I'm sure they know. Knowing those sure. guys, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, but you've had a, a great career, Daryl, and uh, it's come uh, now with, uh, I guess, recently uh, Black Knight just came out with the uh, the Daryl. Uh, I don't know if, it, if it's recent or not, but the, uh, the Daryl uh, Selby uh, signature racket. Uh, yes. How's your relationship been with uh, with Black Knight, and uh, what's it like to have your your own signature racket? I'm not sure if it's the first time you've had one, but uh, uh, how's that? Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know what? Um, I've only been sponsored by two two companies in my career, so I was with Head 15 years, uh, and they were they were great, great to work with, good rackets, um, you know, really good sponsor. And then um, I changed. Uh, five and a half years ago to Black Knight. Um, they really wanted me to come on board. They're a great bunch of guys, really, really uh, down to earth. And I know them, knew them well, the, the guys over here in the UK that distribute in the UK. Um, good sport. There's some really, really good, good guys and I've got a good relationship with them. So um, it was a pleasure coming on board and promoting Black Knight. And then, you know, one of the, one of the factors in, in me changing was the fact that they were going to give me my own signature racket, which as you, as you mentioned, no, I had never had before. So, um, that was exciting. That was so nice. Did you, you had a say in the specs obviously. Yeah, definitely. I, I tried a few different balances and weights and, and got it to my, how I like it, whether that was, uh, whether that was ideal for, for selling that particular racket. I don't know because it, I don't know whether people like it quite as head heavy as I have it, but um, it's still it's still a very good racket. And you but, know, but I, is it a one forty five, one fifty uh, grams? No, or? it's no, it's just the balance is different. So I think okay. it's one thirty five unstrung, maybe like one forty, one forty five, um, and then it's yeah, it's just just the way they obviously balance it. So it's a little bit more in the head, um, but um, for me, yeah, I love it. And, um, yeah, it was nice having my own signature racket. Uh, at the time, it was, yeah, the, the sort of orange and blue were the colours I had of, of my kit. I think I was sponsored by Adidas at the time, and a lot of it was orange and blue. So we went with trying to match the kit with a racket. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's been, honestly, it's been a great racket. I've really, really enjoyed it. I think when I when I stopped playing... You know that's that's the racket I'll continue to use because it's the racket I I like the like the best in terms of just not the fact that it's got my my signature on it <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, it's more, more yeah. to do with the balance and the feel of it, and I you know uh, I love it, love the racket, and um, yeah, they're a great company. That's great. Uh, is, Black Knight is is it uh, Canadian? It is indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, I, when I was young, I was I had a sponsorship just for a little while back when they had wooden rackets, and right. uh, yeah, Black Knight was the uh, the guy by the name of 
Alan Sklar out of Montreal. He was, uh, uh, yeah. I don't he's, know if you know uh, his name. But, uh, yes, I do indeed. Yeah, he, I think he's still involved a little yeah. bit or has been definitely. That was back in the mid 80s. Like so he's still, he's been around forever. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, just, I know you've been really generous with your time. I just got a couple more things, Daryl. Um, no, I go wanted, for it. Yeah. Uh, now, I know over the summer you had this uh, uh, team triathlon with um, with uh, Nick Matthew and uh, is it uh, Adrian? Um, yes, Adrian Waller. Adrian Waller, right? Yeah. Uh, and that looked like you guys had a lot of fun. What was that all about? And uh, I know you did the sprinting. Waller did the the uh, the swimming and the, not the sprinting the running and uh, Matt Nick did the uh, the biking. So uh, how, yes. how did this all come about? And uh, what did you do? Uh, pick straws or something uh, for, for <laughs> <laughs> who was going to do so, uh, which discipline? Yes. So um, basically, Nick um, Nick was sponsored by AJ Bell, who were the main sponsor of the London Triathlon this year. Okay. Um, and I think within the last few years, so they're a big investment type company. Um, and yeah, he had a, I think they spoke to him wanted to do some promotion around it. I think they asked Nick to do the full triathlon and maybe like film him doing it and, and use it as a sort of promotional video. But, um, Nick was only arriving back from his camps in the USA that morning. So I don't think he was particularly keen on doing the whole triathlon, um, by himself. So he, they, they found this sprint format, which was a team, team relay thing. Okay. Um, and yeah, so he needed two more guys. So he asked me to do the run. I think he originally asked Pete Barker to do the, the, uh, the swim because Pete was a good swimmer. Um, Pete couldn't make it, unfortunately. So Adrian, uh, came and did it. And Adrian's actually a good swimmer as well. So oh, he, look, he looks like a swimmer. Yes, he's a strong boy. Um, yeah. So in terms of picking straws, no, because I can't swim. And I don't think <laughs> Nick's, yeah. uh, Nick's a great swimmer. So I think that was an obvious one to get Adrian to do the swimming. And then um, Nick obviously likes his biking. He does a bit of um, road biking here and there. I don't do any road biking. I, I, I train a lot on the bike, but I don't do any outside. Um, right. I'm, I've always been a runner. I did cross country at school. Um, I like doing 5Ks and 10Ks and stuff. So running for me would have been definitely my pick. And yeah, so we did it like that. We um, It was a great day, actually. It was really hot. Um, and I think we finished fifth out of 85 teams. Oh, brilliant. So um, we didn't do too bad with the sort of squash community proud uh, in terms of the time that we did compared with, um, yeah, 85 teams. A lot of those people, I guess, do triathlon or do do bits and pieces a little bit more regularly than us so um so yeah um that's great i don't think nick was too happy with his bike time but to be fair to him he, he had just got back from the u.s on an overnight flight and then came straight there to do a bike so uh, right. i think we can forgive him for his um couple of minutes that he cost us well, uh, now also, uh, I, th I think um, you have a maybe a family business going, don't you? Uh, with dynamic, is it Dynamic Seven uh, Sport? Yeah. So, what, what is uh, what is that uh, all about? I guess it's, uh, you have some squash players and maybe some golfers as as well under your uh, that that. Yeah. Part? So yeah. there's a couple really. Like, um, so in terms of family business, I guess there's there's another one off the wall squash, which is. Um, uh, we have an academy um, where, here where I am with a lot of junior players um, and yeah, just trying to build that up and really increase participation over here. So that's 
that's what off the wall squash does. But I don't do a lot of that. I do a little bit and pieces, little bits and pieces. But that's mainly my sister, who's a professional coach. My dad, who's a professional coach, who do a lot of that, a lot of that stuff. But um, Dynamic Seven Sport is actually my company. It's um, I studied uh, at university before I went pro. So I studied at Loughborough University in England, which is the biggest sports biggest and best sports union in the country um, mm-hmm. and and did uh, studied sports management there for three years so I've got a degree in in sports management and yeah I've just started last year um, I wanted to start my own business and sports management was the obvious choice uh, I'm passionate about you know helping young young athletes in all sports really to um, help manage them uh, look after themselves get the best out of themselves get the best out of of their career get the most enjoyment out of it and just you know offer general support because i've already been through it and uh, so it's sort of like, like you're kind of trying to manage uh, certain things for them like you uh, yeah yeah all, all sorts really i mean the whole the whole thing i'm trying to help them off the court and off off the field of play with with sponsorship deals and brand deals and, and trying to build their profile but also at the same time um you know having been a professional athlete, I feel like I can offer some, some advice and, and, and understand how they feel, you know, after a tough loss or after a good win um, and, and sort of help with their emotions. I mean, a lot of people that are in sports management tend to be businessmen and right. are strong on the business side, but haven't necessarily been a professional athlete. And so can't always, um, you know, fully understand what's, what a professional athlete would think of, of certain situations. And I feel like, uh, I, I would, um, so I'm, you know, I've started in squash. Squash is a sport I know the most about. It's, you know, the one that I've, I've known for my whole life. So it's sort of natural to try and help some young squash players with, with that. Um, who do you have, uh, now, now in the, uh, I guess, part of your, the team there, uh, amongst the squash? Yes. Yeah. So, um, Declan James, who's okay. a young young English yeah. player, um, who's who's a, improving all the time. He's still young; he's 24, so he's um, he's got lots a big future ahead of him. Uh, another young English, I say young, I mean young ahead of me. Uh, ben Coleman, who's just signed this summer. Um, I look after Jenny Duncalf and Gilly Lane, who both do okay. uh, a lot of. Um, well, I'm trying to get them a lot of MCing and presenting work. Um, Jenny's still playing, but unfortunately, just had a had to have a hip operation. So she she's coming on to my podcast uh, in a few days. Excellent, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, you can talk to her about that. So I've been working with Jenny and trying That's to great. trying to help her as best I can with with sort of the next phase of her career. Really, it's it's a different one to helping the youngsters. Jenny's right. the same age as me. Okay. Um, so I'm just been trying to. So you've known each other with... for since uh, you're you were quite yeah. young. Yeah. Since junior days, so. Yeah, probably what are we now? Probably twenty years, twenty-five years even. Um, I've known Jenny. Yeah, so she's she's a great girl, and I'm, yeah, yeah, just trying to help her with her next phase. Well, of she's her doing a great job with her uh, MC. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, stuff. Um, she was very good in in Dubai at the Super Series. Good. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, she's you know she's passionate about doing it. She she wants to go in trying to go into that. I think after finishing playing squash and. I think every event she's been doing, she's been improving and getting better and she's got a great um, persona and she comes across really well and she, she loves sport as well. So she, I really feel like she could present, present any sport really. She's, she's very, 
knowledgeable about a lot of different sport and obviously a fantastic squash player in her own right having been world number two for such a long long period of time behind the great Nicole David so yeah um so yeah and then obviously golf's a passion of mine so I've got got a young golfer as well but I'm trying to once I've finished squash I'm going to try and build up the other side of the business and I've, I've just actually got my uh, football agent's license uh, only a couple of days ago so I'm now oh, good. Congrats. In, in, well yeah intermediary for, for football and again football I played a lot when I was younger I played uh, England school boys when I was when I was under 18s and that's you could uh, be the next Jerry Maguire uh, yeah show me the money um, <laughs> not really, not really. But, no, that, 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 that that goes against uh, probably your your uh, your vision, right? I mean, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. not doing anything. You know, it has to be a business, has to be a sustainable business. But at the end of the yeah. day, you know, I love sport. I don't think I could live my life without without sport. And um, you know, I, I need to find a way to still be involved. And I'm passionate, as I say, about helping helping other people enjoy sport and young athletes manage their, their careers and their path. And, um, yeah, I feel like I've got a lot to give on that side. So this is sort of a natural thing for me to do. Well, Daryl, uh, really appreciate the time. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. All the best uh, in the 2018-2019 uh, campaign. And uh, really uh, excited about your uh, upcoming podcasts. And... It, uh, hopefully, maybe if you uh, qualify for the uh, the Super Series final, this will be some. I'll I'll take you uh, take you out for a round of golf at Emirates Golf Club. Well, that is that's see that's the type of motivation I need to get in exactly get in the, top, the top eight. I'll, I'll bear that in mind. But no, thank you very much for having me on the podcast, Jerry. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. It's uh, nice nice talking about squash and all aspects of life um honestly and um yeah i hope whoever's listened to this has, in, has enjoyed it um yeah onwards and upwards thank you sir and uh all the best mate yep cheers jerry take care take care thank you bye-bye bye-bye well thank you so much daryl that was a great uh, great chat i really enjoyed that and uh I think on behalf of everyone, uh, all of the squash enthusiasts, I just want to say uh, thanks to uh, to Daryl and Cameron for putting out their own podcasts. There aren't many, uh, I think, well, there aren't any uh, aside from theirs that where we have players uh, discussing the pro game, the insights behind so many different things that we find uh, interesting that we might not have access to, especially in a... Uh, you know, uh, not a mainstream sport like squash, so we're not getting, we don't get as much uh, coverage uh, from the players uh, at that level. So it's always nice to hear what they think and how they think. And uh, I did try to, you know, talk to a little bit about that with him when we talked about uh, his last podcast, which I found really interesting. There was a lot in there, and one of the topics, again, was the... Uh, playing well under pressure, uh, playing well in, under certain circumstances. And, uh, you know, I always thought uh, when I, you know, whenever you see Daryl's name in the draw, you, you, you pretty much think he's got a chance to beat uh, anybody. So, uh, and uh, he explained why he, uh, on those big stage occasions, he always uh, seems to, he seems to thrive in those and uh, plays well. Uh, so, uh, and we talked a little bit about that. So I hope you enjoyed that. And I, I know you're going to enjoy the, the next few episodes. We've got Jenny Duncalf coming up uh, in a few days. In fact, uh, we just had, I just uh, 
did the podcast with her not too long ago, so that I'll be posting that one in a few days uh, as well. And we've also, as I mentioned, uh, got quite a few coming up. So I know you're going to enjoy uh, the first uh, few months of uh, the In Squash podcast, and I'm going to keep on trying to uh, uh, put together quality stuff for, for the listeners. So thank you uh, to everyone who's been listening giving the feedback, the likes on Facebook and Twitter and sharing. Really appreciate it and uh, hope you all enjoy your squash. Have a great day and uh, talk to you soon in a few days with the Jenny Duncalf episode. Take care. Bye-bye.